how sweep it is. The raccoon was created, Lindor came alive, Mazika Magic was born, and DeGrom was DeGrom as the Mets swept the D-backs and have now won five straight games. Speaking of the GOAT, should we be worried about his injury? We'll dive into the Mets rotation, the Lindor McNeil situation, and the continued bizarre start to the season thus far. We also will play the second half of our interview with 1986 World Series champion Howard Johnson. And I'll do my best to teach Jake some more Spanish at the Academy. Let's talk first place Mets next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Ooh. Welcome to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here at Jake Brown Radio. Nelson Figueroa there at Figgy NY is where you can find us on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We'll play the second half, about 11 minutes left of our Howard Johnson interview. Hojo, 1986 Mets great, World Series champion who talks about those 86 memories and talks about Figgy and him being his favorite player. It was a shorter welcome for me today because my voice is shot from an incredible weekend at City Field. I sound like Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. I have nothing left in the tank, so Figgy might have to carry the load today because it started with Mazika Magic, and I think that's what started losing my voice. Who would have thought, Figgy? I'd lose my voice over a guy I didn't even know was on the roster and that has the peak male performance of a body and made me feel a lot better about the blubber I'm looking at in my belly because that man has about a very similar body to me, Figgy. Not only a similar body, but exactly the same skin tone. He even put it on the internet, help asking for help because uh, he was so pale when his shirt got pulled off. But you got to give him credit. He didn't back down. He didn't hold it closed like Altuve. He let them rip it off of him, celebrated the moment. And for a guy who hit a ball all of six and a half feet, congratulations. That was awesome. The way he battled, took a couple of good pitches and was able to put the ball in play. That's what we keep saying. Put the ball in play, something will happen. Was able to have a uh, walk-off win underneath his belt early in his career. Yeah, under uh, above his belt, there was there was some chicken parm going on there as well. But <laughs> Patrick Mazika was socially distancing himself from the baseball by hitting it six feet away from him and it was six feet just just was long enough sometimes you know you want the six inch or the 12 inch at subway he went with the six incher and he didn't go all the way uh that reference didn't make a lot of sense but blame the long weekend (laughs) at city field for that i'm thinking of six feet versus 12 feet and i think i think you had jared on your mind all you guys in that same body build i think i I think i had those uh cranberry mules from jim beams bar in center field on my mind all weekend i'll get you uh they they hit me but that was the start of a weekend but you know Degrom, we'll we'll get into in a minute about his side tightness but that was the start of a wild weekend because it was sparked by the rat coon and the punch hurt around the world the punch that might have saved the Mets season now we can't confirm it was a punch but we're pretty clear that after the top of the seventh Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor went at it figgy in the tunnel I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this between your teammates kind of came out of nowhere miscommunication the half inning before uh, where where McNeil ducked he kind of got in Lindor's way of getting the ball and throwing it and then Lindor comes you know one of them got punched if it was if it was Lindor his recovery was insane and 
and he was clearly motivated by it because he had the biggest home run and the biggest hit of his Mets career thus far, tying the game with the homer, and the Mets go on a win with Mazika Magic Friday to start the weekend. But what do you think of that whole punch and then what they said after the game where Rojas didn't mention anything about a rat or raccoon and Lenore McNeil say rat and one said rat, one said raccoon? I don't care. You know what I care about? Wins and losses. That's what I care about. And the fact that whatever it was, it fired him up. He hits a home run to tie the game. Biggest moment in his young Mets career. Now you have an opportunity to build on something. And if it takes a push, a shove, a punch, name calling, whatever it takes, you're around these guys more than you are around your own family. And so they're going to get on your nerves. They're going to say something that's going to bother you. I know, and what we've known thus far about these two players, that they're very passionate. They want to win, and they're going to do anything they can to win. If it takes punching your teammate, if it takes a, a, a miscommunication to fire you up, so be it. I really don't care. The thing that happens in New York is, of course, the media will blow everything out of proportion and will do their own investigating. And then everybody on Twitter and everybody who believes they're a keyboard warrior will go and try and find out information about this. I don't care the raccoon has now come alive and it's the rally raccoon that's all i care about this team has played and they haven't hit the cover off the ball yet but they're playing tremendous baseball they've just won five in a row even Degrom, not at a hundred percent you could tell that from his very first uh, inning they were able to rally together and keep it going and continue to put up w's i don't care how they get it done i don't care what they got to do to get it done i said this before the, when the offense was lethargic and it looked like they were just going through the motions, that's what I hate. Passionate baseball, I'm here for it. The Angels had the rally monkey. The Mets have the rally raccoon. And, you know, it, it took them into the weekend because even on the scoreboard figgy all weekend, each time one of them got a hit, there was a, a flashing rat and a flashing raccoon on the Jumbotron in center field. I mean, it was wild. And then minutes later, we see our guy Justin Yu get the 100,000th uh, vaccine dose, and the Mets are tweeting about it. It was, you know, really? you got <laughs> Justin Yu's 100K. I got girls every night in white Nike Air Force Ones. I mean, you can't come to Jake to a Mets game without wearing Nikes, apparently. That's like the attire. If you don't have Nikes, you don't get the ticket. Who would have thought? Yeah, I said, I knew you always had a type, but it's funny that it always stops us at the ankles, right? And they got the white Nikes. And I'm, I'm convinced. I think you're buying the white Nikes for them. That, that's part of the package deal. Hey, you want to go see a game? I'll buy you some white Nikes. And even if they're Yankee fans, they can go use them over at Yankee Stadium, too, because, you know, white goes with everything. I might have to have a thing. You know, 81 home games, 81 women, 81 <laughs> of the same exact freaking pair of white Nikes. We're going to have The Bachelor uh, on our uh, for the podcast, see if we can get sponsored. Jake Brown is the <laughs> is the bachelor here in New York. What does he do? He takes women to Mets games. Never brings them back again. <laughs> but the, I see a theme right here. I see a theme. 81 names. 81 different names. 81 <laughs> women. 162 cranberry mule punches from the Jim Beam bar. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it was it was a wild weekend for all sorts of reasons, but it was fun. You know, the the stadium was rocking, and when the Mets are winning, it puts that raccoon thing in the past, Figgy. Now it doesn't matter if they go out and lose Saturday Sunday. You're like, oh, is there miscommunication? Is there bad chemistry? But what they did is they shut everyone up about it, and they won, and it became a joke and it became a shtick. And then after the game Saturday, Lindor's hugging McNeil on the Zoom, saying, "This is my guy right here. This is my guy." And you could tell, you know, you know the face of a liar. 
Springer. Lindor, when he was lying about the rat, you could say, it was a rat. It was crazy. He was making it like it was obvious that he was lying. But it, it was just, it's old news, Figgy, because they went out and got the job done. They pitched well. And Saturday, you're thinking to yourself, who the heck's pitching tonight? You use the, all these guys Friday. You know, you're forced into Tommy Hunter starting after he just pitched on Friday. He was great. Lucchese was great, and the bullpen since April 22nd has been the best in baseball with a sub-2 ERA, and they're getting contributions across the board. Gazelman's been better. Hunter's been good. Castro, I'll hand it to him. You heard it here first. Jake Brown said it. Miguel Castro has been good in 2021. Good. Cut the tape, Brian. He's been great in 2021. <laughs> and Jairus Familia has been sensational in 2021. And Edwin Diaz has been ter- terrific as well. VR decided just not, not to catch that pop-up Diaz like I'll, I'll let you get it and he didn't but you thought that might be trouble it didn't I saw Frank the tank up in the coke corner gave him a wave uh over there he was enjoying himself so an enjoyable weekend a first place baseball team and a lot of good things you know amongst all the injuries and the storylines and that's the thing I tweeted the 30 for 30 on the 2021 Mets might be released before the 86 Mets 30 for 30 because in five to six weeks Figgy we have had everything from COVID cancellation to raccoons to rainouts to injuries to vaccines, vacunas, just vacuna matata, my man. It's all sorts of things are going on. Yeah, look, it's been a very must-see TV, right? The Mets are on. You're trying not to miss it because we've said, you've seen a lot of baseball, but there are nights where you're going, I've never seen anything like this. What you're watching right now is a team that's playing together, a team that's playing motivated baseball. They're seeing that coaches are getting fired. And that's not what you want to be a part of. I've been a part of plenty of teams where coaches got fired, managers got fired. You want to be on the right side of that, and and you don't want to be the reason why. So the the team has definitely picked it up. It's been really the pitching staff that has picked it up to another level, which is almost impossible to think about because they started off so hot doing everything they could to keep this team afloat, even though the offense struggled mightily, the run production wasn't there. It hasn't been a lot better in these last five games. The offense in the last five games, they're only batting 224 as a team. They're leaving on almost 10 runners per game, leaving them on base. Pilar and Conforto have the same batting average and the same amount of home runs, except Pilar has half as many as bats. So that's, to me, a, still a huge concern. We have not seen the best of Michael Conforto. He got hot for a little bit there, cooled off mightily. The guy that we are, of course, the most excited about is Lindor. In his last four games, he's batting 429 in his last four games. He's on base 526. That means over half the time he's on base, so he's walking. He's putting the ball in play now. In 19 plate appearances, he's only struck out one time. So things are starting to turn around for Francisco Lindor. The Mets are playing winning baseball. His defense was so evident in that inning with Jarees Familia where the balls are, you know, barely making it to the outfield. He's sliding, diving everywhere to keep the ball in the infield, making sure runners don't score. So he's playing an all-around game. And that's something that he's done, and I have to give him credit for. Even when he's struggling, going 0 for 26, he's still the first guy, top of the stairs, rooting his teammates on, trying to – motivate guys to continue to try and find ways to win if he can get on he walked three times in st louis he's trying to do the little things he's not done the big things as of yet you know that big hit so far was the the game tying home run but we haven't seen the best of lindor by far but i do love the fact that even not at his peak he still plays winning baseball you don't have to worry about him disappearing you don't have to worry about him other than hiding in the in the tunnel to whether the raccoon or not you don't have to worry about him hiding because he can't take the pressure of new york he's sitting right there on the top step Fans are yelling at him. Fans are giving him the business. And he's just sitting there with a smile on his face. You know why? Because he knows where he's going to be for 10 years. You know, on the 1st and 15th, every month, he's smiling big time. 
and I would be too. So he knows that baseball is a game where you go through these streaks, you go through these slumps. I've loved everything I've seen from him. The pitching staff has been outstanding. The starters are the second best in all of baseball. Uh, of course, led by Jacob DeGrom. And you, you've had some bad starts. You know, Lucchese's had some some bad starts. You've had Peterson with some bad starts. But overall, these starters have done very, very well. And it's still not the best five that we're going to see from this pitching staff this year. You know who we got coming back, you know, by the month of June. The bullpen has been rock solid up and down. The guys that you expected to do the job are doing the job. That's Diaz, Familia, and Loop has come around and, and really been as good as advertised when everybody wanted all the other lefties and the Mets selected Loop. You were like, ah, but... He has done everything that you have asked of him. Uh, been really, really not just effective, but dominant at times. Nasty slider, good fastball. And he's a, very deceptive in his delivery. So there's a ton of numbers I could throw at you, but I throw numbers out the window. I like winning baseball and timely hitting. That's been the biggest thing. That's been the big change. The the you know whoever's the hitting coach now, and not that I've ever cared who a hitting coach is before. Whoever's the hitting coach now, Hugh Quattlebaum. Um, is having these guys, yeah, these guys are actually just timely hitting. They're not striking out in big situations. They're putting the ball in play and making things happen. <laughs> Your boy Mazika was the hero in that game. But I, I do like what I see for this team up and down. A good day off today. And, uh, you know, you got a two-game series with the Orioles. Hopefully keep the ball rolling. Francisco Lindor is back. Back in the New York groove, he's back. We heard that song all weekend, and that was the big thing, Figgy, and it started Thursday. You know, he, he's gone from 157 to 194. You want to look at numbers? He's done that in over four days. He's raised his average by almost 40 points, and I think I never want to give up. I know a lot of people have already gave up on him. I said give him some time because once he does get that confidence and that rhythm, that started Thursday with the hit, the three walks, and then Friday. I called the... The exact pitch. Lakia Holmes was there. The big homie Lakia on that exact 2-2 pitch. I yelled out to section 130 or 129. I said, home run right here. Turns his season around. Bang! In the words of Mike Breen. Bang! Home run. <laughs> and the Mets tied the game. Talk about get the monkey off. Get the raccoon off your back. He did just that. Minutes after he saw that so-called rat, or rat and and the funny thing about the raccoon thing is that people buy it because we're New Yorkers and we see rats all over the place. Mm -hmm. So we're like, did you ever see an animal figure when you were in the meds get in the clubhouse or in the no, no, right? No, listen, it, it's it's a, a well-run ship. And shout out to all the workers that take care of that place. It's a well-run ship. It is not like Shea Stadium used to be where it was worn down and you know you you were used to seeing you know mice and rats running. You around saw rats. Shay. So you did so you did see rats in the, the final year of Shay. Oh, and Shay, yes, of course you wow, did. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Shay, of course you did. Now, when it comes to City Field, you know, like I said, that place is well maintained. There's a lot of money that gets spent on the, the daily operations of that ballpark. Figgy um, adding to this mystery, saying there have been rats in the stadium. Could it have been a rat? Figgy? Well, not in uh, not in City Field. I haven't seen. I never saw any in City Field. I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm still not buying it. I don't really care though. That I'm, I've moved on. I moved on. I think you should too. I what have, I, I have. what I what I will say is, how about the concern over Jacob Degrom? Yes, the right side tightness, and in my opinion, Figgy, I thought they should have put him on the IL just to be safe. I mean, I'm glad they didn't in the case that I saw a great start yesterday, and they won the game, and the bullpen closed the door, and they gave him runs, and how about his bunt, by the way? I mean, we always talk about how much I love bunts. You, you don't do it when Lindor bunted in the ninth inning. If that was on Rojas, what a just clown decision to bunt with a runner at first, no one out in the ninth, and they throw him out of the runner out at second, but... 
Great bunt by DeGrom. That was perfect. But the injury, yes, two pitches uh, warming up into the six. He kind of pulled himself, I guess, told the trainer, I got to go out. I'm a little concerned, but I think a quick IL trip, Figgy, and a, a week or two off. I know he hates taking off, and that's why he probably started this weekend. But I think some rest, maybe a new mattress, maybe he needs like a Casper. <laughs> I don't know if he's sleeping on a bad box spring, but I think a couple weeks off box might spring. do him well. Won't do the Mets well, considering Carrasco's now and Syndergaard aren't back till June. But if they have to go one or two starts with you, Casey, and, or an opener, and then bring Yamamoto back, who is great, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think that's what you're looking at. I, I'd rather be safe than sorry and make sure when he comes back, he's as close to 100% as possible. You could see right away on Sunday, he was just not himself right from the beginning. He was behind all day long, walked three batters in an inning, which I couldn't even tell you when was the last time that that's happened for Jacob deGrom. But of course, like Jacob deGrom, he found a way to get out of it without major damage. Left the team winning still, and the team found a way to get it done and win the ball game. I'm perfectly fine with him taking off a little bit. Remember the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw and his maintenance program, they were like giving him off every like three weeks. He'd go on a 10-day IL vacation. And even if he wasn't hurt, they'd put lower back tightness, whatever, and, and he would just be in a maintenance phase because they knew they didn't really need him for the whole season. They just needed him when, you know, they got to the playoffs or if, if things got tight towards the end. So I'd rather see that than this guy going out there and throwing complete game after complete game in April and May where the games, yes, they do matter, but do they matter more than the games in September when you're trying to make the playoffs? Absolutely not. So I would much rather see Jacob DeGrom have a little downtime right now, get right, and uh, you know get back as soon as he can. I'm not looking forward to seeing him having to pull himself out you know, every third game just because he's dealing with an issue that hasn't gone away yet. I woke up with right side tightness after Mazika Magic Friday. Clearly couldn't speak. And then cheering Familia, Familia on Saturday. So I know how it feels, Jacob. You know, I, the 45-mile-an-hour fastball I could throw in. 50-mile-an-hour uh, yeah. EFIS I could throw in. Just about the same. I'm telling you, he might, he might need a Tempur-Pedic. I, I sleep on one. It is a game-changer. So I don't know what his mattress is over. He's like my neighbor in Long Island City, I'm pretty sure. So maybe we got to get him checked out a mattress. But I'm not too worried. And, you know, I think the Mets coming up here against the Orioles, we finally get to see the dark night rising return of matt harvey one oak is opening up lavo <laughs> is opening up and matt harvey's coming to town the weather heats up after a frigid weekend at city field the movie theaters are opening and the dark night rises again this time in a baltimore orioles uniform and i hate that it's a noon game wednesday because i don't think i'm going to be able to make it which breaks my heart because one it's the orioles so it's kind of cool to see a team in the ales you don't see him that often like we saw with the red sox but also to see harvey out there and back i think figgy he's got to get a nice ovation from the fans i think he was part of an important mets team in 2015 he came out of nowhere he gave us some unbelievable moments the fact that i have a well a mini head cardboard cut out on a stick of harvey that i would wave around the fact that he was just so damn good for not a long period, but a short period. And the fact that Happy Harvey Day was an actual thing, I think you gotta, the Mets fans gotta show some love to him if he if he does indeed start on Wednesday. Yeah, it was pretty shocking to me how quickly he was erased from the walls of City Field as soon as they traded him uh, over to Cincinnati because he was such a huge part of that stadium and the all-star game and everything else that he had done uh world series so you you want those memories around but i think you know while he was still an active player uh you know they they wanted to kind of shift to the current players that were on the team and the jacob de started getting more and more things around the ballpark the matt harvey stuff started coming down he was no longer the dark knight and i'm a big fan of matt harvey 
I want to see Matt Harvey pitch. I want to see Matt Harvey do well. Thing is, Matt Harvey will do well for five innings because he's only gone six innings one time this year. He will be out there for five innings and he will give his best effort to, you know, try and keep this offense at bay and, and try and turn back the clock for a minute. But he's not that strikeout pitcher anymore. He's not that guy that's going to be out there blowing people away. He's pitching more to contact. He's moving the ball around, having to use his pitches differently. And he knows he's not going to be out there for seven, eight, nine innings. Of course, now that I said that, You'll see him go complete game, have his best outing of his career, maybe throw a no-hitter against the Mets. You heard it here first on Amazing But True. Matt Harvey throws a no-hitter against the Mets in the uh, turn-back-the-clock game on Wednesday. I'll be so mad if I miss that even more, Figgy. If I missed a Matt Harvey no-hitter and it's not in a Mets uniform, that would be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, that that's where we're at, right? We're, we're back to reality of Matt Harvey and where he's at in his career. He's struggled mightily the last few years. He's getting an opportunity with the Baltimore Orioles and making the most of it. And that's something that I can heavily relate to, brother. When you're getting an opportunity still to put on a big league uniform, you better make the most of it because they start looking at the numbers piling up and they get to June and they realize, well, you know, he's, you know, below average starter. They'll be ready to get rid of him. It won't be, he's not going to get by on his name anymore. And like I said, I wish him all the best. I want to see him do well. I love guys, you know, persevering and coming back and dealing with injuries and whatnot, but I'm excited to see him back. I'm excited to see him pitching. The fans should give him a lot of love and support. He's never been bad uh, to the fans. He's never, you know, gone off on the fans uh, as far as I remember uh, when he left town or when he got traded. So it'll be, uh, it'll be good to see him back. It'll be good to see him on city field mound. And I don't know. I want to see the Mets win their seventh in a row. If they knock him out early, so be it. Matt Harvey sit next to me, Nelson Figueroa. Well, let's share some drinks and beverages over being below average starters at one point in our <laughs> lives. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. it, it'd be nice to be seven in a row and then get uh, another one. That was my theme of yesterday was the DJ Khaled. Another one from the shoes to the game to everything else. And uh, Cranberry Mules, uh, another day off Monday. And then another one on Thursday. So days off of plenty before they have the Rays. In Tampa this weekend. An interesting series there for the Rays who are facing the Yankees this week. So the Mets are fun. Lindor is back. Mazika is 0 for 2 in three plate appearances with two RBIs, a walk-off slow roller, and a bases loaded walk. So Patrick Mazika clearly is in uh, the front running for NL MVP this season uh, with the peak male performance of a body. I mean, that thing gets ripped off. And I will say, girls everywhere, dad bod fans everywhere, uh, that's their background. It's Patrick Mazika. Zika half naked. That's got to be it. It used I'm to be Pete Alonso, but Jake, what you need to do is get yourself a little fake beard, so you have that little longer beard right there, and just walk around, you know, Queens. People will be like, "Oh, there he is, Zika." Zika magic. I'll be like, I did lose my voice because of him, but I am not actually him. Some people like to say my doppelganger is Mike Mustakis. Pull up a picture right now of Mike Mustakis while you're listening to this, and you will see that apparently that is my doppelganger. Yeah, so. there's there's some uh, there's some faces that Mustakis makes that are very similar to yours. I could see it. All right, the new co-host of Amazing but True, future Mets third baseman Mike Mustakis, <laughs> I guess. And we did learn finally before we moved on that Donnie Stevenson is indeed Pete Alonso, and I don't think that comes to surprise to anyone. Alonso put the shades and the hat on, or whatever it is, or the fake mustache, and he is indeed Donnie Diesel. And Guess what? The Mets are 4-0 in nine inning games since Chili Davis was fired. The offense, the numbers may not show it, but wins are wins. So it might have been the move, the rat, coon, and firing Chili Davis might be the two things that turn this bizarre 2021 Mets season around. We'll go to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy in a little bit, but coming up next, we play the remainder of our interview 
issue with 1986 World Series champion Howard Johnson here on Amazing But True, which starts off with Figgy explaining why Hojo used to be his favorite player. Listen up. You were my favorite player growing up. Doc was my favorite pitcher. And we talk about the 86 Mets. You were my favorite player because with your you being not a big guy, the 30-30 club, which at that time was an elite status type deal. You were a guy who I looked up to, a switch hitter. I did both of those things. I played shortstop. I was number two, always you were number 20. And I remember one of my greatest ah. thrills is after I signed, I actually put on, I had your jersey and Dwight Gooden's pants. So it was the best of oh both my worlds. And my, my very first spring training. And I, I always thought, um, I, I never got a chance to talk to you about it, but what was it like for you to reach that plateau of the 30-30 club? Oh, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I I remember when they first told me about it. The, my when I first see, so '87, I became the everyday player. Ray Knight wasn't resigned, so I became the everyday third baseman. And the year before, in '86, you know, I didn't. I don't think I only had like 230 at bats or so, and I think I hit uh, 10 homers and drove in 40. And so they asked me, they go, um, what do you expect to do next year? As, I mean, this year as the every day third base. I go, well, I think I hit 20 homers and drive in 80. They're like, well, why, why, why do you think that? I go, well, my bats are going to double. So I assume that my numbers will probably double along with it or that that's a good realistic goal. And so anyway, that whole offseason, all I did was I worked hard, so hard. I'm making myself a good right-handed batter because I knew from experience that when the game's on the line, they're going to make you hit your weak side. And one thing that I had learned a long time ago, and I stole a lot of bases in the minor leagues, I tried to get on base. That was my focus. Get on base and disrupt and try to score a run. If I could drive in a run or score a run every day, one of those things, and I could help the team, and I'd put a good season together. I tried to get on base so I could steal and get in a scoring position for a teammate or drive me in. And so – that just was that was just my whole mindset. I didn't I didn't go up there trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I just tried to go up there being a tough out and take the walk when it was there and make them pay for it. And that that was the formula. And so, you know, I got to twenty twenty kind of quick and they said, Well, you might go thirty thirty. I go, What's the heck? <laughs> you know, I didn't have no idea what that was. And then they explained it to me and I'm like, Oh, okay, that's cool. I like that. So that became kind of like a benchmark, you know, so if I could get to that. And so I was able to do it in eighty seven. And then 88 wasn't so great. It was okay, but 89 was, was really good. So there's no saying in baseball, anybody can do it once. I wanted to prove to everybody that I could do it again. So I was able to do it again. And then, then it became, okay, maybe you get lucky and do it twice. Can you do it a third time? So I was able to do that a third time. And so it was just, it was just something that, that became a thing that I, that I really enjoyed doing because it encapsulated everything. You know, I, it didn't make me try to hit, you know, a ton of homers. You know, I didn't, I didn't want that. If I tried to hit a lot of homers, I was an out. I didn't want to hit in that fourth group with, with Straw and, and Eddie Murray and all those guys. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hit in that group. It made me a different kind of hitter. I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see the Keith Hernandez. I wanted to see the Dykstras, the Backman, those good hitters that could use the whole field. I wanted to see that because that kept me in check. That was the mental game I had to play with myself every day. 30-30 and 87. Then 89, he's like, another one. And then in 91, he's like, another one. And, you know, the only guys who have done it more is Bonds, Barry, Bobby, and Alfonso Soriano. Um, I'm actually yeah. a 30-30 member, too. A 30 Chicken Nuggets, 30-30 Fries member. I'm the all-time, <laughs> all-time leader in that category, actually. <laughs> Hojo, we always joke with some of the 86 Mets that if social media was around then, that team doesn't happen because, you know, the whole team oh. might have been in jail or something or they would have been on the back pages yeah. every day. Can you just look back on those fond memories? We talk about that, and then 87 was kind of like, I think it was just one big hangover, and there were injuries, and not everyone came back, and then 88 just 
being a team as good as 86 but falling short in the playoffs. Yeah, well, social media changes everything. You put a camera in front of somebody's face and, you know, or run a camera in there, it's going to be going to get a different person and that people the guy the guys were who they were and we had a great time our bus rides were unreal uh the hotel rooms we we'd get we play cards and do different things it was awesome so it was a it was a blast yeah, play cards there was more than playing cards that was going yeah. down in these rooms Ocho. <laughs> yeah there was more of that but <laughs> but we we had a good time put it that way and social media would have destroyed it it would have, it would have taken it away and I think because we didn't have that social media, it was it was real. You know, people do things on camera they wouldn't normally do in real life. So, you know, whatever you see out there, a lot of times it's scripted. And, you know, we were ourselves. Everybody was ourselves. They, you know, guys that didn't party all the time, I, I was in a group that didn't, you know. It was no big deal. We, we spent a lot of time with each other still. It was just an awesome group to be around, togetherness, right? We were, just, we were one team for sure. And then in 87, all the pitchers got hurt. We, we just couldn't quite get over the hump. We, we won a lot of games, but... Couldn't quite get there. And then 89, I'm sorry, in 88, we had a great ball club. I thought we were going to go far. We should have, but things happened at the end there that, you know, we ran into the Hertzheiser buzzsaw. That was that. I mean, Oakland had a great year that year, That and, and the Dodgers took care of those guys almost in the same way. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It wasn't meant to be. It's hard to win. It's not It's not easy. You put a good team on the field, doesn't mean you're going to win 100% of the time. And so that that we just we just ran into that that fact. Well, there's there's third uh, the thirty for thirty is coming on the eighty six Mets. I, I'm are you going to be in this? Are you have they have they interviewed yet for this? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think I'm going to be in that. I, I I haven't done anything for them on that, but it should be entertaining. I mean, we're going to be after the Michael Jordan stuff, the Last Dance. I haven't watched yet. I got to watch it. Got to watch that. Yeah. Uh, that uh, yeah, it should be pretty cool to see how they uh, how they talk about it. Biggie, I want to see the '86 Mets. He talked about playing cards like the PBS version, like they're playing Go Fish and and having a, a, a fr- friendly dinner with like soda and water, and uh, yeah. see the clean version. No, of the 86 no soda for me, thanks. I'm I'm trying to just have water. Imagine that. Uh, last thing for me, Hojo. Look. The chemistry you talk about, right? Winning usually, they talk about if you're winning, it breeds chemistry, or good chemistry breeds winning. For me, it came down to that 86 team also had something else. There was another element. That was that toughness. That was if you were challenging us on the field and, you know, there was a hard slide, whatever it was, a guy gets beamed, that team stayed together and they fought together. We just saw recently what happened with the Mets and Dom Smith gets called out by a pitcher after, you know, yelling at the pitcher a week beforehand for hitting Conforto and hitting McNeil. And he gets literally called out and doesn't do anything about it. I can't imagine in 86 that it wouldn't even have been Dom's problem. There would have been three or four guys that jumped over the line to go get that pitcher for trying to show him up. Oh, yeah. I remember we, we were playing in Cincinnati and I was standing next to Straw in the dugout, the visitor side, third base side. And Tuffle was up. I forgot who hit him. Might have been Tom Browning. Somebody hit him. Right in the middle of the back, and Tuff goes down, and I'm sitting, I'm talking to Straw, we're watching the game, we're talking about something about the game, and the next thing I know, Kevin Mitchell jumps over the railing and runs out to the mound. Straw is right after him, and next thing you know, the whole team's out there. But nobody waited for Tuff to get up and and do anything. It was just he got hit, and he was our guy, and we had enough. And the, you know what I mean? So guys are just like ready. They were just ready to defend each other. And so that, that is part of the game that has kind of subsided. You know, guys get fined now. They don't want to go through that. There's a lot. There's always a lot, a lot of talking and stuff. But that's another reason why I don't like the DH is when you get the 
now you get the pitchers hitting it's a little bit different. It's a different mindset nowadays, and and I get it. You want to hurt, you want players to get hurt, but there's ways to take care of things, you know. And I think that you know baseball has kind of missed some of that, and and um, you know they're just being overly cautious and want nobody to get hurt. I get I get that, but to me that's not that's not the way it should be. Do you have a lifetime free stay at any Howard Johnson hotel in the world? <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to be able to go into Howard Johnson and get a free ice cream whenever I wanted. <laughs> that was, to me, that was heaven. That was good for me. I was happy with that. Bro, you have to walk up to the concierge and flash your ID, and they got to give you at least their cheapest room. They got to give you some room, Mojo. <laughs> yeah, give me the cheap room. I tried to do some stuff with them during the, during the season when I was playing, and um, they never really they never really went acted on it. I was kind of hoping you know, my agent could work something with them. But, yeah, kind of a cool thing. <laughs> How does it not have, like, you just be like, I'm a three-time 30 for 30 member. Give me free damn rooms for life. Like, I, I, listen, I got to talk with your agent because they, we got to, that should have happened a while ago. Me and Figgy yeah, are going to work on making that happen. We got to get you a free stay. I don't even know where their hotels are or they're, if they're any good because I don't know if I've ever stayed at one. But the name, for the namesake, Hojo, we have to have that happen. For the namesake, yeah. Hey, it's not too late. I'm sure there's still some around. They can get them out. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll help them get back on the map. All right. There you go. We'll talk, we'll talk with our people. And then, uh, Lastly, talk to us about what you're doing now with the uh, Showtime Sports Academy in Tennessee. Yeah, we got a big facility down here in Nashville, um, about 20 minutes outside of town. It's, uh, it's a really nice area, and we have eight cages in there, two big soccer fields. We have travel ball program. Uh, we got softball going through there. There's a lot of stuff happening. And uh, my son Glenn and I, we we run that. He runs that full time. That's his job. And I go in there uh, during the week, and I do lessons and. And I work with the kids. I go around to the different travel teams that we have and kind of watch them practice and help them out. You know, try to stay involved that way. I really enjoy it. That's fun, you know, trying to make an impact with kids because there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff on the Internet that's not necessarily good. And I try to give them my very best teaching. I want to I want to. What I, what I try to do is I try to promote what potential that the kid might have. Kids can come in there, it doesn't matter how old he is, you know, but if say he's 12, 13 years old and, and he's just putting the ball in play or whatever, but, or he's struggling to do that. I mean, let's find out like what he can do. You never know until you try it. You know, I, so let's try to see if, how hard we can stand at the ball, you know, without trying. You know what I mean? So that there's different ways to, to get kids to try to experiment and see how good they can get. And, and I, I enjoy you know, educating them and the parents as well. Bienvenidos, mis amigos. It is time now for the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, where I am attempting to culturize one said Jake Brown. Uh, he goes to a lot of Mets games. He's also a huge Mets fan. So we've got to make sure that he's able to communicate with all the fans because they run up to him all the time. He's very recognizable, especially with that bald hair and that body. Keep your shirt on, Jake, for the rest of this segment, please. And uh, we'll get it started with the, <laughs> the Francisco Lindor Rally Raccoon, the Mapache de Mejorar. I can get that's another language. That's not even Spanish. That's <laughs> yes, it is Spanish. You're right. <laughs> All right. Slow down. Here we go. One more time. Mapache de mejorar. Mapache de. <laughs> one, one word at a time here. I'm also Mapa... dying from a Zika magic. Here we go. Mapache. Mapache de mejorar. De mejorar. <laughs> It's so it's like the air comes out of your tongue. Like it's a balloon. It goes, Mama Che de mejorar. Say the first word again. Mapache. Mapache. De mejorar. De yep. is another word. That's of. So it's really the raccoon of 
getting better. There's no actual rally word like baseball, you know, vernacular. So it's mapache de mejorar. Del mejorar. Rah. Keep, <laughs> keep saying it over and over. Let's go. Mapache de mejorar. No, last word. I, I got the mapache de. Mejorar. Me, mejorar. Keep, keep repeating it. Mejorar. Mejorar. <laughs> mejorar. Mejorar. All right, whole thing. Go. Mapache de mejorar. It's close enough. Uh, close enough. Is it M E H O R A? No, not even close. M E J O R A R. Mejorar. Mejorar. That's what I said. Mapache de mejorar. Spelling it didn't help you at all. Mapache de mejorar. Mejorar. That's close enough. You get you, you get a C plus on that one. Right, that, that you is, get a passing grade for that. That was rally ra- raccoon. It's not that was a rally raccoon. It's raccoon. Okay. All right, and, then, then and of course, the other side of it would have to be the Raton de Nueva York. That means New York rat. Mm-hmm. All right, one word at a time. No, you're going to say the whole thing. Raton de Nueva York. Raton de Nueva... Raton de Nueva York. See, the Nueva York is easy. Raton de Nueva York. Inject me with the New York. You gotta need a vacuna. You gotta inject them with a raccoon. Is that that like a rabies shot too? And yet to make either one of them, you're probably gonna need a rabies shot. So raton de Nueva York. R A T O N, right? Raton de Nueva York. Yep, R A T O N. That's what you need to do. What you need to do is damn go gargle some salt water. Get yourself better. Raton de Nueva York. You got Raton. six more podcasts this week, and here you are, day yeah. one. I'm already went shot. Broke all weekend. Raton. All right. A bonus one. Oh, a bonus one. Bonus. Yeah. Buy two get one free. Mazika's right. Mazika's his coloring because he made fun of himself on Twitter, saying how pale he was. Cuerpo de muerto. Cuerpo de muerto. See, that was easy. You know what that means? Very white. Dead body. Dead body. <laughs> Oh my goodness! His skin coloring was that of a dead body. Oh no! Uh, shout out, shout out to him for again making light of it, enjoying the moment, and uh, you know what? If he does nothing else in his career, right, he could say he has a walk off, a walk off at bat to win the game uh, underneath his belt with Pete Alonso scores. They rip off his jersey, and uh, he got to celebrate topless at City Field. Can you say that one again? Because I got to tweet it to Bad Bunny because that's really another hit single. If you say it again, cuerpo. De muerto. Cuerpo de muerto. Cuerpo de muerto. Inyete me e mapacha de mejor. Raton de Nueva York. We're going to form a, the greatest single in the Spanish language musical history. None of it will make over. sense, but somehow everybody will love it. But listen, there's songs out there that just say, you're, you're, you're. And like, there's, yeah. just, I mean, there's a lot of songs out there that really don't make sense or have like, just a catchy chorus. Old Town Road. Did that make a lot of sense? No, but it's one of the greatest songs ever created. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Raton de Nueva York, Mapache de Mejora. There we go. There you go. Uh, this is a very successful academy. Uh, nice job, Jake. One more time. When- Cu- Cuerpo de Nuevo. What's the last one? <laughs> Cuerpo de Nuevo means new body. He's got the old body, which is Cuerpo de Muerto. Cuerpo de Muerto. Yep. That was dead pretty body. good. Wow. Cuerpo de Muerto, dead body. Well, there we go. Welcome. Goodbye, au revoir, uh, a tout à l'heure, uh, adios to the Academ- Academia de Nelson Figueroa. Nice job.
That says hasta la vista to episode 50, the Miguel Castro, or one of my favorites, Benny Agbayani edition, or 50 Cent, of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. I think you got to take 50 Cent right there. But thanks to you, Jake, and Brian Munguia for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday following the quickie, the Mets two-game set against the Orioles. Enjoy the games at City Field. We'll see you there. And as always, let's go Mets.